Marcy and I met and fell in love in the summer of 1987, which for me was very good timing. Because as Marcy tells the story, there are two Randys. Uh, there's the winsome, sensitive, jovial Randy, and then there's the Randy who watches hockey. Hockey Randy uh, yells at the TV when the Canucks are not performing. He froths at the mouth when other teams like the Flames are playing uh, dirty. Kevin, Scout, Mike, if you're watching this, you know your team. They, they, they're, they're dirty. Right? I cuss like a banshee when the refs miss a call. And uh, as Marcy tells the story, <laughs> and she met me in October of 1987 and had been first introduced to hockey Randy as opposed to lovely, jovial, sensitive Randy. Uh, we may not be married today. Now, we can laugh at this example. See, it's relatively harmless. But it does expose something about my character. And today we're talking about anger. We're talking about rage. We're talking about wrath. And when we're talking about this, you need to know that this is a very real one to me. When I sense something is wrong in the world, anger tends to be my go-to emotion. And, and it certainly can be a deadly sin. And in fact, talking about it right now, this, this couldn't be timelier because we are living in this crazy time, right? In these days of this global pandemic where, where stresses are higher, where anxieties are higher, and, and we may not be able to regulate our emotions like we normally do. I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself these days, that the tempers are flaring sometimes when things are normally calm. We know that domestic violence from some cities, example, for example, is, is up 30%. We know that alcohol sales are up 40%, and that's not just Randy restocking his single malt. <laughs> so something's going on here in our world right now. And I think it's important for us to think about this, to invite some kind of uh, reflection into anger, into rage, and into wrath. Now, I don't want to oversimplify things, and so I think it's important that we do clarify some terms because these are different things. And I want to begin by talking about anger itself. So first, let me just say that anger itself is not a deadly sin. In fact, anger can be a helpful tool. When you're feeling angry, it's usually a signal that something is wrong. Let me say that again. When you're feeling angry, it's, it's simply a tool, you know, it's a signal that something is wrong. And, and we see this reflected in the scriptures. The scriptures are, are a truth-telling document. And, and, and as, as we immerse ourselves into the history of the text, uh, from generation, uh, Genesis to Revelation, we, we, we see uh, lots that is wrong with the world. And, and we see anger being expressed as revelation. The, the prophets were very angry about the political injustices that they were facing when they were observing life uh, in, in royal uh, is Israel, right? Uh, read Amos, read, read uh, 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 Micah, read, read Isaiah, right? Jesus himself was very, very angry at times at the religious hypocrisy of the Pharisees and, and the corruption of the temple system of that time. When we read the epistles, we see that Paul got very angry with churches when they were engaging in exclusionary practices against the poor and the vulnerable. And you don't get to get very far in the Psalms, right? You read the Psalmist, and so often they're just angry at life, like circumstances are crazy. And, and, and they're expressing, they're venting, they're letting it out. So if you're feeling angry right now with the injustices of the world today, with, with the self-serving religious hypocrisy of the church, or, or just life itself, like you're not in bad company. 
If we were to shred that out of the scriptures, we'd lose maybe a quarter to a third of our, our text. These articulations of, of, of frustration, of anger, of profound disappointment. And it's okay for us to look at the world right now and say, COVID sucks. You know, it, it's, it, it's hurting people, it's harming people, it, it's killing people, it's destroying uh, people's livelihoods, it's, it's destroying our social reality as a church right now. Uh, cancer sucks, it took my mom's life, it takes people's lives, it, it, it disrupts things. Death is not, not cool. And, and, and it's okay for us to, to, to express our frustration with the world right now. Now, very important, anger signals that something is wrong. But what it fails to do is tell us whether that wrong is inside of us or outside of us. And most of us usually begin by assuming it's outside of us. We, 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 we get angry, go, the problem's out there. It's, it's you, it's, it's that, it's, it's, it's out there somewhere. So while anger can, in a good way, crank up the heat and motivate us towards redemptive action, it can also cloud our judgment, right? Which leads to, to the second word that I, I want to define, which is this word rage. Rage is at that boiling point where we're no longer capable of, of reflection. When we get there, or we're, we're no longer capable of, of, of listening, I don't know if you've ever experienced rage or if you've tried to reason with somebody <laughs> who's in a state of rage, you know, you try to reason with them, like, come on, let's, let's talk about this reasonably. <laughs> but they're about to blow up, right? It's just not going to happen in that place. And, and, and here's the thing right now. It's not just residing in individuals' rage right now. I, I think we live in a very volatile world. And this pre-existed, this pandemic, I think our world is enraged. We, we, we see it in politics, we see it in religion, we see it in education, we see it in our neighborhoods, we see it on, 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 on global scales, but we're also seeing it in, in micro and interpersonal relationships. And while I believe that we are entitled to some of our anger that we feel right now, it's our rage that is the issue, people. Rage is a thing that's blinding us from seeing other points of view. It's deafening our ears to listening. And rage ultimately leads to uh, the last word that I want to talk about, which is wrath. Wrath is where it all turns to violence. You know, we think we can re reduce uh, violence to, to, to action, but I think it's important for us to understand when we're talking about violence, we are also talking about language and vocabulary. You know, we, we were told, some of us were, were told this this. this silly little thing that we could respond to when people were being mean to us we as a kid we would say sticks and stones may break our bones but words will never hurt us and unfortunately that's just not true words can't hurt words can be violent words can do all kinds of damage but we have to begin by talking about anger let's bring this back to anger because there's a lot of it out there right now and it takes on all kinds of shapes all kinds of forms for me and, 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 and many men of, of my generation, we were conditioned to believe that the only acceptable emotion that we were able to express was anger. If I were to respond in my childhood to, to, to being hurt or being ashamed or being disappointed, if I were to cry, uh, I'd be called weak or I'd be called a sissy. But if I responded with anger, it made me feel strong and in control. Now, this was the social construct and the cultural conditioning of the day. 
of that time, and this is the 70s, and it was actually the time that the, there was a lot of social upheaval, but, but of that time, uh, Nancy Smith, who was a feminist, part of the feminist, uh, the, the women's movement, she, she wrote that for every woman who was tired of being called an emotional female, there was a man who was denied the right to weep or, or to be gentle. Now, the church I grew up didn't help much. <laughs> we were engaged in a culture war against all kinds of things, right? Secular humanism, the feminists, the, the, the gays, the, 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 the Muslims. You know, there, there, there was this, this sense of, 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 of entrenchment. And, and there was a lot of anger in the rhetoric at that time. And I can tell you in reflection that, that, that religion, particularly fundamentalism, uh, is one of the best covers for people who have anger issues. The way we justified our hate, religiously, spiritually, the way we justified our hate in the name of God, I think at that time led pe more people toward atheism than Richard Dawkins ever will. But as I reflect on the scriptures, you know, we see that we're not the first religious group of people to have anger issues. If you're watching this on Sunday morning, this is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, you find that in John chapter 12, right? And, and, and we're, we're kind of walking through John as we're walking through these vices. And it's, it's, it's leading us through this Lenten series toward the cross. And so today is a day, in many ways, that was celebratory. It was very declarative. Jesus is coming in as Israel's uh, true king. He's entering into Jerusalem. And, and, and the people are lining the streets and, and they're singing Hosanna. They're, 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 God save us. We, we, are, we are longing for liberation. We are longing for rescue. Um, but these very same crowds that were singing Hosanna on Sunday, by Friday, the tune had changed. They were screaming. They were yelling. They were full of scorn, rage, and wrath. They were shouting at Jesus. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas instead. Give us the killer. We don't want Jesus. I think it's prudent to ask what happened there. Like what transpired in just five days? Well, the people had had longings, right? Uh, uh, religious expectations that, that somehow Jesus was going to come. He was going to vindicate them. They had a long history of oppression. They'd been victims of brutality. But through Jesus, they believed God would accomplish something. He would accomplish his justice. And they were expecting that it would come through a shore of force against their enemies. And on this front, as we know, Jesus was profoundly disappointed. Their disappointment led to rage. And their rage led to wrath. And even Peter... You know, one of his very, very close disciples was not above this way of thinking. In Gethsemane, we see him uh, as, as the, the, the soldiers are approaching Jesus to imprison him and take him away for crucifixion. We see Jesus, or Peter, pulling out his sword to defend Jesus, slicing off an ear uh, of a servant. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, put away your sword. Put it away. It's not my way. In other gospel accounts, it says that he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Peter, it's important that I take this cup. And why? Not because I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to embrace and, and endure pain. But I need to take this cup because wrath and violence can't 
bring about God's reconciliation. Only love can do that. So instead of picking up a sword, Jesus picks up the cross. And he exposes himself to injury over and over again. He makes himself vulnerable. And rather than fighting back, he absorbs wrath. The cross, we are told in the scriptures and by theologians across the ages, the cross is the focal point of the Christian faith. It is the clearest revelation of who God is. It's his answer to wrath. In an act of of, of total self-giving love, God closes the door on vengeance. And through Jesus, we find forgiveness. We we hear the voice, there's forgiveness for all. There, 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 There is a healing for all. There's reconciliation for all. So I'm learning things. Slowly. Uh, you know, I, I think all of us, for example, I think we all need places to vent. But I'm also learning uh, in my old, old age, too late, that simply blowing up is not as cathartic as you may think. You know, shouting at someone else in traffic for cutting you off may feed your adrenaline. Uh, but it, that's what it does, right? It, it might even feed your rage. It doesn't diminish it. But suppressing our anger and, and stewing over things can also exasperate our problems. Feigning that we're okay, it just creates bitterness. It's, it's more of a, of a passive-aggressive uh, form of rage. It's not one I'm accustomed to, <laughs> but I've experienced it from others. Uh, uh, but but, but these, even these, all of these venting, suppressing methods of coping, uh, they, they may provide short-term relief, but, but there's no long-term benefit or growth from them. Especially when it comes to our relationships. So rather than trying to tame our anger and tame our rage, what would it mean for us to confess it? We're encouraging welcoming prayer um, during the Lenten season. You know, as we're looking at these vices, as we're looking at these deadly sins, what would it mean to welcome that experience and then to welcome Jesus into that place? The place where we've experienced stuff. We've experienced sometimes profound disappointments. Think of your disappointments in life. Think of your disappointments with the world, other people, your circumstances. Maybe those places where people have betrayed you, lied to you, where people have hurt you. Maybe those places even when you've been embarrassed. Ask yourself, what is really going on there? And and as Jesus holds you in that place, and by the way, that's a safe place. He's not shocked by any of it. Uh, But as he holds you in that place, he longs to speak words that will release that rage. You know, maybe we can embrace lament as opposed to fury. Maybe there's a place for tears as opposed to a fist. Or maybe we can be motivated by restorative justice in that place as opposed to vengeance against those who have opposed us. 
Or maybe it's even in that place where we can start to do the hard work of forgiveness for those who've wronged us. So that we can find wholeness and we can find healing. So Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that you embraced our rage, our wrath, our violence. And instead of responding in kind, you exhausted those things. You endured and you exhausted those things. And you can meet us in that place and we can be safe in that place because you've done that work. Help us to name our anger, to really meet it there, to reflect on and to articulate just the disappointments, the hardships that we've had in life so that we can, in many ways, embrace something different and release our rage. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.